right, it's here, uh, week one of the high school football season, high school sports in general. Uh, it's all upon us. Labor Day weekend, uh, welcome in everyone, Final Score Podcast, and on this uh, week's episode, we'll talk to Oakdale High football coach Kurt Stein about his talented team this year. Uh, but first, I want to do a broader uh, preview of Frederick County football in general. Uh, so joining me in studio now are my two colleagues here at the FMP Sports Department, uh, Alexander Dacey, uh, who, you, who you've gotten to know well. And uh, everyone knows John Cannon, a uh, longtime sports writer here. Welcome, guys. And just what are you looking forward to the most about the season? I, I guess we'll start there, Alexander. Um, I mean, I guess for me, it's just a chance to kind of see what Frederick County football is like. Because again, I just you know I do not have that perspective. Uh, you, you've and heard I've, about it. I've right? heard about it, and I've heard that it, and I've heard basically every everybody who's been around has told me that this is one of the best counties, if not maybe the single best, single deepest county in the in the state, top to bottom, uh, for football and. I mean, just just again going around to all the high schools is kind of I think bear you know bear that out that I mean you really have, I I mean at least the top like probably six seven teams will be beaten up on each other, um, and then Catoctin will be better and even like TJ and Tuscarora won't be you know, uh you know won't be total washouts so. Yeah, you know, I mean, the things, old, are, things are looking up every, all around. The the old analogy that's yeah. almost become cliche at this point because we've used it uh, so much over the years is that Federal County football is sort of like the SEC. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no down weeks. Uh, every, every week you got you, you got to be sharp because you're you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in a good game. Uh, John, what are you looking forward to the most? I am just a just a, a lot of what Alexander said. Um, some certain teams like Brunswick, you know, like I'm, I, I ended up doing a preview on them. They were seven and five last year with a lot of young players, and you know, you kind of wonder if a team like that can. They, they had a good solid season, and you're wondering how far they can go this year if they can take that step in the you know the one A playoffs. And uh, you know, we had, we had Lingenor get to the finals last year. It'd be, it'd be nice to see some teams win, you know, contend for state titles. Yeah, let's go team to team. We'll start with the private schools, and then we'll do an alphabetical rundown of the public schools. Uh, John, MSD, they're they're playing a different brand of football this year. Yeah, eight-man football. They actually played their first game uh, last week as an eight-man team. Uh, that 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 change was basically made because across the country, most of the uh, deaf schools did not have enough numbers to field eleven-man teams. Um, MSD did have those numbers, but. Um, they would have been one of the few remaining 11-man te- teams left, uh, deaf school teams in the country, and there weren't enough of those teams to, to uh, have a national championship. So if they wanted to contend for a national championship, they had to start playing eight-man football. So that's what they're going to do uh, for most of their games this year. And, uh, you know, they, they, start, they won 44 to nothing last week, so it's the same old MSD, just uh, three less guys out on the field. Do you have a sense or do they have a sense of what eight-man football is going to be like as opposed to regular football? I've seen it before. I actually saw Mercersburg play a few years ago, and MSD is in a league uh, called the Keystone State Football League, uh, Keystone State being Pennsylvania, and Mercersburg's in that league. So, yeah, what it is, basically, you have two less linemen, so uh, say two less tackles. So you have three guys on the line. Um, when I saw it a couple years ago at Mercersburg, they would occasionally put a tight end on there. And then you also have one less person in the backfield, usually a halfback. So you have three less players. So you have usually a guy set, hikes the ball, and you got a lineman on each side of him, and that's it, unless they put a receiver up there. To does, it, does it tend to be a higher-scoring game? Or? Yeah, it's more wide open. Now, the, now the field is 100 yards long still, but it's actually short. It's, a, it's a more narrow. 
Uh, it's down to 40 yards, I believe, as opposed to like 53 and a third. I think it's standard football field is, so it's a little more narrow. Yeah, but it's more wide open, though, uh, for sure. So it's like hockey when they go to four on four. Right. They, 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 right. The game op- opens up a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, St. John's Catholic Prep, uh, the other private school, they're, they're opening a new, a new stadium uh, on, on Friday for football. They, they've played other sports there, lacrosse and, 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 and some of the spring sports got to use the facility, but this will be their first football game at their new stadium, uh, and, and this is sort of what they've been looking forward to the most, uh, ha- having a big crowd out at their new stadium, uh, not having to bus across town uh, to um, McCurdy Field and, and dealing with sort of the field, the old field conditions at McCurdy. It's a nice turf field. It's a scenic view with, with, with the mountains in the background. Um, it, it's on school grounds uh, under their own lights. So. Uh, the school is very excited for that, and they're also excited for the debut of their new coach, uh, Nate Marr, um, who has an extensive college background. He was a student assistant at WVU, so he's he's coached football uh, to, to some degree at, at, the, at the highest level. Uh, he also went to McDaniel College, where he held a bunch of coordinator positions, receivers, running back coach. He was the director of football operations there. So uh, Coach Marr has an extensive college background, um, and and he, he's got a heck of a staff, too, because some of his assistants are, um, are uh, longtime uh, college coaches so or that have experience in the college ranks. So I, I think he's going to whip that program into shape in, in relatively short order. He's already turned over half the roster. Um, that uh, t- 20 of the 40 players are, are, are new to the team. So, so I, I expect St. John's to have a much better season than they had last year. It was a tough go last year with just the, just the one or two wins that they had. But, but I expect uh, Coach Marr, who's very excited about taking this job and, and putting his imprint on the program, uh, uh, to do big things at St. John's. And that starts Friday night. Uh, I think, John, you'll be there against mm-hmm. Winters Mill, uh, who's, who's a, pub, a, a public school team. So it'll be, uh, it'll be neat to see that sort of dynamic I look forward out. to seeing that view you talk about because we always talk about the best views in the county at stadiums like Catoctin is number one and so I'm curious to see how that looks. Yeah I mean Coach Mars said and I wrote about it in, in the previous story that I did that that uh, Stu Wilson the athletic director of St. John's took at the end of their interview they walked out to the football field and it was near sunlight or mm-hmm. near excuse me near sunset and in the it was a just a beautiful scene you know, right right off the mountains there mm-hmm. this brand new stadium so and that's and at that moment right there, Coach Mars said he knew that he wanted to take the job. So mm-hmm. so it was a picturesque scene, and, and John, you could describe it for us uh, <laughs> uh, n- 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 next week here. I'll try to get poetic. Uh, let's start with the public schools. Uh, Brunswick is first. Uh, John? Yeah, Brunswick, uh, what we were talking about, um, they got a, uh, they're, remember they went with a freshman quarterback last year, um, e- Ethan Houck, and um, he is now uh, – He's back. He, he he had a decent season last year, threw for over a thousand yards, and he's 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 six foot three. He's stronger. Um, he's got uh, one of his one of his top receivers back, Isaac Herbert, and so they, they lost a lot of their backfield. Um, but they, uh, they 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 could be something to watch this year. I mean, they were good last year, seven and five, and and uh, yeah, they they could be a could be a good team. They got some decent size too, you know, for Brunswick. You know, they're they're one A school, but they they've got some. Uh, some big guys, and they, sh- they should be fun to watch. Right, and going off on a tangent here, the the, the football format is is changed. It's it is what it was last year. So you have the oh, six yeah. classifications. Yeah. Uh, pretty much everyone makes the playoff. Mm-hmm. So there's there's less pressure to um, uh, to actually win and, and, and right. make the playoffs. 
Uh, do you guys have any strong feelings on that? Good thing, bad thing? Did, did, did you like the old way? Or? I like the old way. I don't like the uh, six classifications. I mean, uh, I guess I'll, I'll draw some fire for that. But, I mean, I like the four. I mean, I, I don't want to use the term watered down, but it's just, I mean, Maryland isn't a huge state, and the six just seems excessive. But hey, Yeah, because, like, PA in Florida, PA has six classifications. Mm-hmm. Florida probably might, might even have more than that. But, mm-hmm. but still, like, Maryland's a much smaller state than, right. than, than those two states. And Alexander sort of takes away from the nine novelty because you had to earn your way into the playoffs in football and that's really not the case anymore unlike the other sports yeah i mean for me i kind of go back and forth on whether or not it's a good thing because again it's like it is it is that novel you know that was the novelty of it and you do lose that um you know but on the other hand it does make sense to maybe sort of especially you know with with all the numbers being sort of messed up the last couple years with covid um you know maybe trying to accommodate more teams and trying to maybe reset it but again i'm also like if you're only making if the the other thing that throws me off is that you're only making this six classification structure for football so it like it feels like there's some carve outs and again i i don't know if it's necessarily it's not the worst idea and again i'm not gonna i'm not gonna really probably come down too hard one way or another but it there's definitely i think you know noticeable drawbacks uh to both to both solutions um you know i again i don't particularly have a strong opinion um let's just say coming from a high school where before i got there they never made the playoffs i think i would have really welcomed this change 10 years ago <laughs> 10 years ago if i was if i was yeah. a high school student then but, but right? i i like i like that you had to earn your way into the playoffs yeah oh yeah no it was yeah. it, it it gave a lot more drama and like you know especially those last few weeks of the season when you were um you know maybe say going up against a you know a, a team that was really good you had to like oh maybe we have to pull this upset but you know so that 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 part of it is unfortunate but again I, i'm not i i'm not super like I, i'm not thrilled with the change but i also i i, I know why i i get why they made it so i'm not like not too like, too mad, like mad about it I'll bring up a game from, I think it was the 2019 season when Frederick made the playoffs. So you remember they beat Tuscarora in some shootout. They needed that game. That basically propelled them into the playoffs. And that was kind of right. a neat thing to see. Created, created some drama and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and the kids felt a, self, a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. after that game. The other thing about it, too, is do we really need a bunch of undefeated teams playing a bunch of one-win, right. no-win no teams in the first round with a bunch of running clocks? Like, like like we're busting we're busting these teams out to various points of the, the state to, just to get their doors blown off and how, how necessary is that? The the one thing I do remember that being an issue last year was there were a couple teams, a couple of the like really low seed teams that just straight up forfeited because they're like it's not worth it playing this playing this team that's just going to destroy us and us possibly like getting guys hurt and you know it, like like. I, and, and I know there were a few teams that, that forfeited last year because just be you know, kind of going with that logic. So, you know, that part of it really does, you know, is, you know, is, is not great for the competitiveness of it all. Um, so you, 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 know. you were covering football for the Washington post uh, uh, last year. I, right? I was not. No. Uh, oh, you weren't, you weren't covering high no. school football. Okay. No, I know the only high school stuff I did for them was like some winter, just a couple winter. Gotcha. Things. I, yeah. I wasn't sure if you did football yeah. or not. And just, just, I was going to ask you about football 
that you saw in, in, in other parts of the state. But um, I can tell you about Maryland football yeah, <laughs> and all the right. and all the and all of their escapades last year. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk uh. about that as the season goes on. They they open with Buffalo this week. Any any early uh, thoughts on on that game? Uh, uh, I, if Maryland doesn't win this game, there's going to be some serious problems. Well, that's not the question that they're going to win. It's yeah. by, it's by how much. Yeah, right? I mean, okay, like they they should win and they should win fairly comfortably again. The the you know the 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 point of these you know these games is to not is to look competent and get you know make sure no one gets hurt. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, roll roll out roll out it roll out with a nice easy home win your first week of the season and you know go on the road with an easy second you know second week opponent win that. And then you get into the meteor schedule. Yeah, so. the, the, with the with the Big Ten games, right? All right, uh, back to back to Frederick County High School football. I think we're in the C's, John. Uh, I, uh, you, you saw Catoctin. Yeah, Catoctin. Um, and now again, they were coming off a rough season, uh, one and nine last year. But uh, they they returned nine starters on each side of the ball. Um, again, I mean, they were very young last year. Um, and a lot of these guys are like three year starters if you count that twenty twenty one spring season as a season. So this would be uh, for a lot of them it will be their third year starting. Uh, so they returned most of their their uh, their players from last year, and so I mean they were they won a game. They beat um oh boy I'm I'm having a mental blank here. <laughs> Who did they beat last year? Oh, they beat Brunswick in yeah. the season finale. Um, yeah. and then Brunswick came back the following week and beat them in the playoffs. Um, so you'll see improvement there. Um, I'll be be curious to see how they they are against the Brunswick this year. You know, by the end of the season. Right. Yeah. We we talked to Coach Rich last week, and he he's optimistic that that his his kids will be better. Um, uh, this season and, and the winning games is important, uh, just, 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 just for everyone. And, and they hope to do more of that this season. So mm-hmm. let's see, ABC doing my alphabet here. I, I think we're at the F's, we're and, at the F's. And, and that would be Frederick high. And look, I mean, they're, they're going to be really good, uh, again this year. Um, uh, they were state semifinalists last year, first time since 1985, uh, first time in 36 years. Um, and they have all of their key skill position players back, uh, including Trayvon Neal, uh, who was great on both sides of the ball as a defensive back and wide receiver, scored, and he returned kicks, scored a touchdown in every conceivable way. I think uh, the surprise of the season, or not for him or the team maybe, but for all of us, was how well uh, Tay Anderson, uh, their sophomore running back, played because he was outstanding and, and, and became one of the best running backs in the state. So. Can they win states this year? I, I think so. Can they be the best team in Frederick County this year? I think so. But a lot's going to depend on how well their offensive line plays because they're replacing all five starters there. Uh, the defensive line won't be as much of a concern because they do have a returning all-state player there in, in, in Josh Hayward. Uh, but, but the trenches, where Frederick hasn't been strong in the past, re- was really strong there last year, that's going to decide their season, how well they could play there, especially along that offensive line. Can they get five guys to block well enough? Can they get guys on defense to tackle well enough? If they can, I, 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 I think they're going to be uh, really good and will be one of the best teams in the county again this season. They, they were the funnest team to watch for me last year. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, they were just fun. And I, Hayward, isn't he the kid that came up with a couple scooping scores or something last like year? Yeah, yeah right. And, and, and then the quarterback, Brian uh, Mabuthia, is yeah. back too uh, to, to, to run the show. So Frederick's going to be really good. And I, and I think, if I had to guess, I think they're going to be okay on the line because mm-hmm. they'll have enough players they could block. I mean, they have like 100 kids in the program now, so can they find five or six they could block? Can they find five or six they could tackle consistently on defense? Um, I, I think so, and I, and I think they have a real shot to be 
uh, Frederick County's best team, as does this team, Alexander, mm-hmm. the Linganore Lancers. Yeah, it's uh, you know same old same old deal for Linganore. I mean, you know, going for their fifth straight uh, state championship game appearance this year. Uh, you know, undefeated in the regular season last year. Um, you know, they again they have turnover quarterback Timmy Connor graduated. Now it's a uh, Christian Petrozello who's a junior and is uh, a really interesting talent i mean he's got a really big arm and again linganor you know prides itself on running the football but he gives them you know he really has a big enough arm that they can extend the you know extend plays downfield if they need to obviously ethan arneson's back he's a junior you know state leading rusher last year so you know kind of again same old same old there but i mean you know, rick connor just kind of keeps it going it's the sort of you know you, you kind of know you kind of know what you're going to expect from Linganore over here that they're going to be one of the best teams and he's going to get the most out of his guys and you know they're they're you know they they lost obviously you know a handful on offense and a, I think they're only returning six starters on defense but uh, their leading tackler Carter Neal's back so I think all again all around you know they you know it would not be a surprise if they ended up on top let's put it that way uh the the theme for the season is finishing because i know these state championship games haven't gone well recently. yeah so so they they're uh, in the in the start of this run in 2017 they they won the state title uh since then it's been three straight losses uh with a covid season in between so you know it's it's really for them it's about getting you know, you know going not yes just getting back to annapolis but also actually lifting that you know, state championship trophy above their head. Right. Uh, lots of good players uh, on, on Ligonor's team. Uh, Middletown, mm-hmm. a, a team you saw, has a very good one in the running back, Carson Smith. Like, how much of their season – this is almost unfair to yeah. say because it is high school football and, and, and he's and, and he's uh, he's a high school football player. But how much of the season rests on his Carson uh, Smith's shoulders? Uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, they have – so – they they're replacing the majority of their offense, including you know basically, you know pretty much their entire offensive line. Is, is um, that going to matter? It, I mean, it, it probably will a little bit, but they also again they're like you know they're, they're kind of like Frederick. They have you know just a ton of kids in the program, um, and they had they kind of have a good pipeline there, so. I think maybe, you know, the, the first couple weeks they may have to work out some kinks, but I think, you know, Carson Smith is, is a just a sort of big bull of a runner kind of, you know, and I mean, if, if they just, if they just kind of, you know, he'll, he'll make something happen, right? Like, like if you just give him the ball, chances are he'll, he'll get you the, the necessary yardage to sort of, you know, to sort of keep you going. So that is a lot of it. Um, they had a quarterback competition, or they are having a quarterback competition, I should say, uh, between Griffin Sheridan and Cam Baker. Um, you know, Colin Delauder was impressed with both of them. So, you know, if you know they can, both of them are capable enough, um, you know, quarterbacks where they can sort of throw a play action or, you know, you know, do a, do a little bit more, you know, with the passing game if needed. Uh, but, I mean, really, that offense is going to, primarily you know lie on uh, Carson Smith I mean you know what's coming but can you can you stop right it and I that's mean, kind that, of the that, question that'll be the which... question like can can other teams stop it they might not be able to even though they know it's coming I mean they knew it was coming by the middle of last season and, and most teams couldn't stop it so uh so what Middletown could do around Carson I I, I think will will be a key uh, element too 
I'm not going to dive too deep with Oakdale here because we're about to have Coach Stein on, and, and we'll do plenty of that with, uh, there. But o- Oakdale has some of the best players in the county. Uh, Dom Nichols, uh, who has six high major offers, uh, 6'5", 250-pound defensive end, tight end receiver. Imagine being a small defensive back and seeing uh, someone like that uh, uh, line up out wide, which, which he'll do this season. And, and the coach is like, hey, uh, uh, you little defensive back, <laughs> cover that guy. So... Um, and I can only imagine the look of terror in the eyes of some of those small DBs that might have to do that. Uh, he's a, he says he's a defense uh, first player. He, he loves playing defense. He wants to be that impact defensive end, and, and he can. Uh, Ole Miss, Michigan State, Maryland, Pitt, Penn State, um, uh, Virginia Tech have all made him offers. So uh, so it's it's all based on potential right now. Uh he, he hasn't had that huge impact on the field, but, but this season he very well might. Evan Austin, their new quarterback, has a, who played receiver last year and was a really dynamic runner and, and, and pass catcher last year, has a bunch of uh, high D1 offers too. Uh, Boston College, uh, I, I think, is among them. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to Coach Stein uh, about, about all of this. But Oakdale has maybe the most talented team in the county. They could, they, they're another team that could wind up being our best team, depending on how things shake out. So we'll talk to Coach Stein about all of that, uh, but, but, but let's uh, move on for now. And uh, Thomas Johnson uh, High School, John. Yeah, well, again, we have to talk about the fact that they folded in 2019 because now that, that is in the rearview mirror. I mean, they're, as you know, their numbers are up. They've got like over 40 40 or 40 plus players now on uh, varsity, so they're back in that respect. And I mean, they, they thought about making cuts e- uh, even, right, so, right. which is an accomplishment for itself, considering they couldn't <laughs> field a team three years ago. Right, right. Yeah. And they, uh, and actually, one of their key players will be interesting to watch, Ben Pierce, who is an all-around athlete. I mean, uh, Alexander, you've seen him playing baseball, mm-hmm. and he was on their very good basketball team. He was a, a banger inside. Uh, he last year they moved him from line to running back. He was a bull of a power back, and now this year he's going back to the line. And uh, so that, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, he's he's like obviously a big part of what they're doing. And they got their quarterback uh, back, Jackson Bittner. So they, uh, they uh, I mean, they won one game. They uh, beat Tuscarora last year. I mean, you know, let's let's see what you know. You, know, you got to look for improvement there. Yeah, he's you know, got he's got close to fifty players now on yeah. the varsity team. They have they have an established feeder program. I asked him about the uh, coach Humphreys about the feeder program, and mm-hmm. he said it's up and running now. Mm-hmm. So, is going to they're on the right track, I think, and they're going to be getting better soon. Uh, speaking of teams that want to get better, Tuscarora. Yeah, so Tuscarora kind of in a somewhat similar spot as TJ, maybe like a year kind of behind them in the, I guess, rebuild process you call it. I mean, last year was kind of like, you know, last year was a, I guess, rock bottom. They were one and nine, um, only had 22 players on varsity. Uh, they're up to 36 now, which is a significant jump. And a lot of that, um, you know, the, the coaches have attributed to not so much, you know, the, you know, they're doing their part, but really a lot of the kids themselves, the kids that were on the team last year, we're just sort of, you know, recruiting in the halls and talking up the team and getting more people. So, again, they're, they're kind of slowly but surely building up. And, you know, again, they're not – they're still a ways away from, from you know, being really good being really good and contending. But, you know, the, the, the pieces are starting to fall into place. They have a um, – Cole Gormant, who is going to be their quarterback, he was one of – they had a four-quarterback rotation last year, which sort of speaks to the, you know, kind of the dire straits they were in. But he's – uh, he's got the job, you know, full time this year, uh, and I mean, they, you know, he gives them the option to, uh, you know, you know, pass it a little bit more. Again, like they were primarily an option team last year, just because 
just because they didn't really have enough, you know, en- enough of an arm or enough arm talent at quarterback. But they're, you know, again, they'll probably still primarily be an option team or primarily be a running team. But you know, they can. He he gives them a little bit more to a little bit more to you know work with on some short and mid range stuff. So. You know, it's a slow process, but they're they're slowly getting slowly, you know, steering back in the right direction. Uh, with Urbana, mm-hmm. um, they love to throw the ball. Brad Wilson loves to throw the ball. He'll even tell you he's not very fond of of, of, <laughs> of running the ball very much. And uh, it seems like they have the quarterback to do it with Keegan Johnson. They do, and it's an it's an another interesting dynamic in that you know they're very talented running back that they had last year, David Avitt. Uh, he's he's gone. He uh, he he moved and uh, transferred to Churchill along with his brother Ezekiel. Um, so that you know with, with sort of I, I guess in a way it's like there's a there's a bit of a void in the backfield, but you know in that sense it also opens up the passing game. I mean they're top. You know, you know, their top two receivers, um, Yannick Sue and uh, uh, Riley Smith are back. Keegan Johnson. Yeah, that, that, that's huge having the quarterback and the receivers. Yeah, right? I mean, that's back. You know, the off, again, the offensive line's mostly back. Um, you know, Keegan Johnson you know, slinging around, obviously, you know, again, kind of like Ben Pierce, all-around athlete. I mean, you know, great, great baseball players committed to play baseball at Ball State, but – you know he's their. I mean he's he's their sort of gunslinger of a quarterback. He's also their kicker, uh, which I, I find is a very fun. He's a fun very good, very good kicker. He's a very yeah. good kicker. When, yeah. uh, when I was at practice a couple weeks ago, he was hitting probably about forty-five yard field mm-hmm. goals. So you know, fairly fairly solid. Um, but I mean, you know that that it's just an interesting dynamic there. I think the the other thing I think that's really going to be really interesting to see is their defense, which um, you know has had been kind of shaky the last couple of years. Uh, they brought in a lot of their new coaching staff this year is from Damascus or, or used to used to coach at Damascus. Um, uh, Greg Frazier is their new defensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you know, likely they'll end up being a lot more aggressive, more physical. At least that's kind of their they're kind of their goal. But it'll be interesting to see how that sort of shift takes place and if they can you know you know see some progress on that end of the ball keegan is ball state ball state yeah for baseball is he signed officially <laughs> he is uh for ball for for ball state i i don't know if he's formally signed the letter of intent but he he at least has a verbal commitment okay to ball state um he did say uh, he has um uh he, he has uh or i think i think uh john you reported this mm-hmm. um that he's going to try to walk on the football team there. Uh, or, I was going to say there, I, there's a plan at least to as, as a, a kicker, kicker to as walk kicker. on. That's um, how it had been. Yeah. So you know maybe possibly two sport athlete you know two sport mm-hmm. athlete there as well. Um, we'll see if we'll see if any football schools come knocking that's, sort that, sort of that's late. My que- that's my question. Sort like, of late in the cycle. I mean we'll see. He you know he's I asked him about that. He said he hasn't really heard from anybody. Um, you know a couple of the coaches said they'd heard you know a little bit from some schools. So it. But if he has a really good, if season he has a with, really good season with really good receivers, he's he's left-handed, so that creates an interesting dynamic. I, exactly. Um, so, so could, could I, that my question was: Could football enter the picture here in a big way for college? I mean, it's a possibility. Again, I think it's a little too early to say for certain. He's now, one heck of a pitcher, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing is he's got he's a he's a lefty pitcher and he throws you know, can sit low nineties like that. His ceiling probably is higher, higher for in, baseball. In, in, yeah, in, in baseball. So, yeah. Uh, Walkersville, I, I I think you're gonna see vintage Walkersville football, uh, which is uh, running the ball uh, with a big offensive line, 
uh, with, with the whole stable of running backs. Uh, Coach Joe Polo said as many as six kids could get touches in the backfield. Uh, the offensive line is big. They have a 6'6", 340-pound uh, <laughs> tackle. Um, so, uh, uh, so try running behind that. Uh, they Those have are a, Midwest numbers, right? Exactly. <laughs> they, they have a two hundred thirty pound. They have a two hundred thirty pound fullback. So Walkersville, they should be able to block. Uh, they, they they didn't do it as well as they normally do last year. They think it'll be a lot better in that aspect this year, which will fuel what they do best, which is which is run the football. All all good Walkersville teams have, have run the ball really well in the past. And I, I think you're going to see Walkersville get back to doing what it does best very well. And if as long as they play good defense, that's that's going to be a hard team to beat, even even, even for the Ligonors, um, the uh, the Oakdales, um, the the Fredericks. Uh, I mean, Walkersville is going to be a, a team to be reckoned with if, if if they can get that running game going and play good defense. So. Um, we won't do a prediction segment, but John Alexander and I were talking uh, last week. Um, it seems like Frederick, Ligonor, Oakdale, probably a step or two above, above the rest of the pack. Is that is that sort of how you see it too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you say, Walkersville is a possibility. And, uh, you know, for, their, for 1A at least, Brunswick, you know, I don't see them as being a pushover. Yeah, and yeah. Urbana too uh, yeah. was right there with Dundalk. And I think yeah. in a crazy game that, that you, co- you covered yeah. last year, right? Yeah. So yeah. can't counter out Urbana in, in that 4A, uh, 3A region. So. So here we are, gentlemen, week one. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Um, and and uh, we are going to get away from – we've been very football heavy uh, for, uh, for this last month, and we are going to start talking about the other Frederick County sports too. Soccer, which is all – Frederick County and other – you talk about how good football is in Frederick County. How about soccer and, and how great soccer is here here in the county? Boys and girls. So so we're going to talk We're going to talk about uh, – right, boys and girls soccer. So we're going to talk about soccer. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about the other sports too. We'll have a variety of coaches and guests on uh, this year. So it's not just going to be, this is not just becoming the football podcast, although there will be a football element like this probably to, to every podcast, recapping the games and stuff like that. So I look forward to that. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. And when we come back, it, we'll talk with uh, Oakdale football coach, Kurt Stein. Stay tuned, everyone. Back here on the final score, and I can always count on my next guest on giving me a straight answer, uh, whatever I ask him. And we'll get some straight answers this week about his football team, which he's very excited about. Uh, Kurt Stein is entering his 13th year as the uh, football coach at Oakdale High School, 12 on the varsity level. Started the program from scratch in 2010 with the JV season. Uh, Kurt, you ever think you'd be doing this at the same school 13 years later? I mean, that was always the plan. I'm certainly. Uh very excited to still be here and uh certainly happy on how things have gone over the last 13 years obviously it was a, a rocky start on the varsity level for us you know back then but uh things have really gone up and when I took the job as young as I was I really hoped that I could be like the guy that I had worked under Doug Williams and, and be a stable person in the community and coach for a long long time at the same school so as of right now things are on track so you 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 viewed oakdale at the time as sort of your destination school even though you barely had helmets and shoulder pads absolutely you know when you look when you looked at what oakdale was drawn from ligonor urbana and tj you know the thought was as great as those three programs were at high school football that oakdale would certainly have a chance to be like that um i wanted to be a high school head coach that's what i wanted to do 
And uh, I'd hope to be a member of that community and, and be someone who was a long part of the community for a long time. So I certainly, that was the plan. And, you know, in the early years, wasn't sure if that was what was going to happen or not, but as things are now that, you know, we're kind of rolling on the right direction there and, and yeah, things are going as, as I had hoped. Yeah. Tell us why you're so excited about your team this season. Well, you know, we bring back a lot of guys. We have a lot of guys that played a lot last year, and we have a lot of guys that missed a lot of time for injury last year that are back. Um, we are extremely talented. We have more kids out for the football team than we've ever had at Oakdale. I think we have like 52 on varsity and 77 on JV. So um, 77 on JV is a record number for us. Uh, we did not have enough equipment, and we've gotten that straightened out, but it was definitely uh, it was definitely a close call there for a few weeks but uh we're very excited about how excited everybody is about the program how many kids are playing our youth program is exploding at the seams uh, i have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old that play youth football so i'm up at those fields every night and there's three four hundred kids out there wearing the oaklaw on their helmet and playing football every day so the program is is in great shape the community's in great shape and we're just we're really excited on where things are at so you can't get enough coaching football, can you? I mean, when, when you're done with uh, coaching your high school team, it, it's off to the next football practice. It is. Sometimes I wonder, I, I shake my head on my way over. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, you know, it's fun. And being a football coach, as you know, it's very time consuming. So the negative drawback to that is some time away from my kids. So I try to get over to their practices at least. And if nothing else, hold a bag and, and be around and just so I can be around my boys a little bit. Are you, are you coaching or are you just a supportive parent? So for my oldest son, I, I am the head coach uh, for the, I guess it's called the Pony D2. I, I'm hoping that this is the last year that I have to be the head coach. I've got a great group of uh, assistant guys that are helping me out right now. And I think I'm going to be able to pass it along to them and, and maybe step back and be more of an assistant role there. But um, for my youngest, who just plays flag. I, I just watch for the most part. But our longtime D-line coach, who was the D-line coach on our state championship team. Matt McVeigh is his coach, so he's in good hands and, and we'll be all right there. Is the film breakdown for the Pony football, is it is as intense as your uh, high school team? No, but it's twice as frustrating, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, you know, trying to get nine-year-olds to line up correctly and uh, do their assignments and actually just even remember where they're supposed to line up or do anything like that can be challenging. So uh, when I started with the youth, with my son's youth team last year, it was very uh, – it's very eye-opening experience for me. Your wife has to be a huge football fan to allow all this football in in, in one household. She is, and she, you know, she actually grew up a, a Steelers season ticket holder. She's from Washington, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh. Her, her parents are still season ticket holders, and uh, you know, it's hard because she's busy too. She's an elementary school principal. She's the principal at Ballinger Creek, Creek Elementary School, so she has a very busy life herself. And then she uh, gets to make it even more busy by chasing all the boys around all their practices and attending all her husband's games and all of those things. So uh, the fall is a busy time, but we do love football in this house. So it's okay. Right, just to go off on a quick tangent here. Are you familiar with Sarah's candies in uh, Cannonsburg, uh, Pennsylvania? What do you think I get for all my relatives of the holidays every year? Of course, of it's the course. best chocolate covered pretzel in America. Uh, it absolutely is. My grandparents lived about five minutes away. So, so I'm very familiar with it. Excellent ice cream too. So yeah, both my parents and my wife's parents' houses are full of Sarah's candy around the holidays. And um, that's some really good stuff right there. For sure. <laughs> you can't eat it during football season. I, uh, your, 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 your players need to be on a better diet than that. Yeah. So. Co co coach can have some, just not them. <laughs> What are you looking forward to the most about the season? Well, you know, um, 
we are excited that we feel like we have what we need to be back in that state championship uh, conversation. You know, um, obviously we've been there before, so we know what it takes and what you need to have as far as your stable of players and your coaches and the commitment. And we feel like we have those things this, this year, you know, none of these kids um, were here when we won it the last time. So as a coach, I'm really excited to try to present for them an opportunity to see what that's like. Obviously we're a long, long ways away from that, but you know, I, I think it's a, a realistic goal and it's a realistic thing that they can accomplish. So my goal was to try to bring that to them, bring that journey to them and let them see what that's like. But before we get too far away from this, you have record numbers, but, but a lot of teams are pushing their record numbers as well with a hundred and more kids. Just in general, why do you think numbers are up across the county for football? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think one thing the pandemic did was make people realize how much they liked participating in things and being around other people and doing stuff. And, you know, football is a great sport because it's a very rare when we actually even cut. So if you want to be a part of it, you know, our, our motto has always been, if you can survive, you can stay. Right. So if you want to be a part of something, there's an opportunity there for you. And I think after people sat in their houses for two years, they were dying to go out and, and do stuff. So a lot of these kids, when they were in eighth grade last year or maybe ninth, they decided to give it a try and fell in love with it. You know, I think another thing is the big focus on safety and we have made the game a lot safer, but I think we've also started to realize that maybe some of those concerns were a little overblown and um, you know, it's not nearly as dangerous as certain people wanted to try to make it out to be. And that the risks absolutely out outweigh the reward. I mean, the rewards absolutely outweigh the risks, like being part of something, being fit, staying in shape, that sense of community, that sense of brotherhood, you know, it outweighs the risk of maybe, you know, breaking your arm, for example. So, I mean, I think all of those things go in together. But as you said, across the county, the numbers are through the roof and the football programs are healthy, at least when it comes to the amount of bodies they have to play. And we're in a really good shape in really good place here in Frederick County uh, on, on the safety point. Do you feel football is about as safe as it could be? I mean, with the equipment improvements and just the, the, the knowledge that we have now that maybe we didn't have even five years ago, do you think football's about as safe as it can get? I mean, I do think that, I mean, like you said, the, the two biggest thing is we've made gigantic advancements in equipment in the last 10 years. And we've also made big advancements in the way that we teach how people how to block and tackle in the way that we practice. You know, we, we don't have those four and a half hour uh, junction boy practices and that kind of stuff anymore. And we certainly don't teach people to lead with their heads anymore. We've really made big strides in making the game safer. And like you said, making it about as safe as it can be. And um, you know, the equipment is, is uh, amazing. Like when I, I put on the helmet, sometimes these guys wear, and I just laugh thinking about the stuff that I wore and, you know, 20 some years ago, wasn't that, that long ago, but it's, I mean, this helmet might as well be something that they would wear going to the moon compared to what that, what I had. So yeah, we've uh, made a lot, we've made big advancements for sure. Uh, well, one, one football coach in the County said that they're like wearing like space helmets now. So yeah. I mean, are, are you guys wearing like the shells on top of the helmets that, that, that some NFL teams have, have adopted the, 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 the guardian I think they're, called, gu Gu yeah, I think they're yeah. called guardian caps. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we have not done that. Um, there, there's some stuff there as far as um, the liability insurance and things like that that come with helmets that were, if you alter it in any way that you may or may not be covered anymore. So I don't know if a lot of high schools are doing that because of that um, particular 
situation, obviously something in the NFL, it's not something they would have to worry about. Um, it's not something that we've done yet at Oakdale. And, and that's certainly one of the reasons why, and, and I haven't done enough research on it, to be honest with you, to know if it's something that we should really look into or not. Right. Uh, so everyone's cooped up during the pandemic. Uh, do, do you think part of this is just, uh, Hey, we want to get out and, and, and get a sport going and football looks like an appealing sport. Absolutely. And it's certainly the one where the most people participate. So if you have a friend or something like that, you might have somebody on the team that, you know, uh, like I said, we have, you know, over 130 kids playing in the program right now. And, and like I also said, it's, a, it's one of the sports where not a lot of people cut. So if you want to play and you're willing to show up every day that you can play. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. And also school starts in the fall, right? That's when we start getting back into sports and that's the main male sport in the school in the fall. So I just think all those together really draw, drew the people out. Yeah, and your enrollment's uh, way up too, so uh, so that contributes also to the size of your team, I'm sure. You guys were always straddling the Class 1A, 2A fence, and now you're on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're uh, straddling the 3A, 4A fence, right? Yes, yeah, so um, I, this year, you know, this is the last year of the current cycle, so we find out, um, you know, I think sometime in like late November, December, where we're going to be for the next two class next two years with classification. And certainly now that there's six classifications and there's more, it's easier to move up and down in our massive jump in enrollment. I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Oakdale was in a different classification next time around. Are, are you warming up to the six classifications or would you still rather they just stay the way it always was? Um, I'm actually the district one chair for the MPSSAA. And, and so I sit in on a lot of those meetings and, um, I'm definitely in the minority when I say I, I prefer the four classifications better. Um, this is one of the reasons that we're in the six classifications. I just, I don't feel like we have enough teams that we need six classifications. And, and truthfully, I don't feel like everybody needs to make the playoffs if, if I'm being a hundred percent honest with you, but um, the six classifications is here to stay. And, it, and it's not one of those things. I'm not somebody that wants to ever focus on the things that I can't control or pine about the way things used to be or anything like that. You know, I, I'm, my mindset is always just tell me what the rules are and we'll figure out a way to best use those rules to our advantage. So I had kind of thought we got into a good spot a couple of years back when we expanded it from four to eight teams in each region, make the playoffs. I thought that really, adding that fifth round of playoffs really made it to where any team that deserved to be in was probably in. Right. And then, and then you got your chance and we had the reseed with eight teams left. So theoretically two teams from the same region could make the state championship. And, you know, we still have all of that. We just have six state champions instead of four. So I guess at the end of the day, we, we have all the things that we wanted to get. We just, we got two more games down in Annapolis to go uh, take in every year. So I guess it's not too bad. And I guess the novelty of, of the old format was that not everyone made the playoffs. It was sort of an accomplishment to get into the playoffs. And, and now that everyone gets in, I, I don't know if it totally removes the the shine and the takes the luster off of it. But, I mean, everyone makes the playoffs and, and you have a lot of blowouts in, in those first round games. Yeah, I mean, that was that was my argument against it was that I don't know if we need 9-0 playing 0-9 in the first round, which is, which is what you get. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, it might, it might not be accomplished to make the playoffs, but if you're one of the last eight teams or four teams left, you're pretty good. 
you know, it doesn't matter which, which classification you're in. So that's kind of more of the, um, the barrier now, like, as you know, just getting in the playoffs was so hard before when we won the state championship, we were undefeated and we were the three seed in our own region and only four seeds got in. So we didn't even get a home game in the first two rounds and we won every single game playing in Frederick County, which I would argue is probably a much tougher schedule than anybody else had played. So, you know, it, that, that system had its flaws in that way where good teams weren't always rewarded. And yeah, and this system has its flaws where, as you said, we might get a lot of games in the first round that aren't very competitive. Yeah, the re- the regions weren't always balanced, so you had deserving teams that wouldn't make it in the old system. Uh, to be fair, like you say, and where you might have had a lesser team in a weaker region um, uh, get in. So, um, uh, no player uh, from the 2018 state championship team. Uh, is on your roster. I mean, the, 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 those kids have, have left the program and, and uh, like even, even last year you had kids that at least had at least played or were a part of that uh, fantastic 2018 championship team. So, uh, so I guess this team, I guess we'll have to learn how to win. I mean, not that they're not, don't know how to win already because they're very talented kids, but just they'll, they'll have to prove themselves in, in the postseason, Right. Yeah, they they haven't won the big game yet. They haven't, you know. Last year we uh, we played in some really close big games, and we had some some exciting ones. And we won a playoff game, you know. So obviously that's a big game. But these guys were young guys trying to figure out their way how to win on the big stage, and, and that's what they haven't done yet. So that's the thing that they're going to have to learn as we go. Now I'm sure you've took a glance at our schedule. So they're going to have plenty of uh, opportunities to play very good teams and win very and win big games. So if they, uh, if it's something that they're, they're capable of doing and something that they want to accomplish, they're going to have a lot of chances even before we ever get to the playoffs. Well, one thing in regards to the schedule in the new uh, playoff format, are you more inclined to schedule more challenging teams because losses aren't nearly as punishing as they used to be? I am. I don't know if anybody else is, but uh, I mean, but you, have, you have Fort, you have Fort Hill on your schedule this year for, 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 for the second straight season. Correct. Because, you know, we're not even playing TJ, um, you know, in our own County. So, you know, the, the one thing that comes with the classification reshuffle every year is also when Frederick County redoes their schedule. So I'm, I don't know a hundred percent yet who will play or who we don't play, but we'll have a few open dates with the teams that we don't play. And, you know, we'll look to fill them with competitive games. Like you said, that, uh, we couldn't get anybody to play us and Fort Hill was willing to do so. So we played them. You know, I thought when we went to this new system a while back with like the eight teams getting in that teams would be more apt to schedule, but we couldn't even get teams in our own region to play us. So, you know, it's been a problem for us at Oakdale really for a long time. Cause you know, if you, as you recall, we were two a for a long time and we could never get a two a team that would play us in the regular season. So, um, I don't get it. If you if you really want to compete and you want to win playoff games and you want to try to compete for championships, you're going to have to play good teams in the season, which is something that we always do. And playing in Frederick County, you know, you're always going to do that. And I just don't know if a lot of people out there share that philosophy when it comes to scheduling. Yeah, but you think some of that will go away? Because again, losses aren't nearly as punishing, and they might not cost you a playoff spot like they used to. I mean, maybe it won't go away. Maybe 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 you'll run into the same problem. But really, there's no reason. There's no excuse not to schedule a more challenging game now. You're 100% right, but the problem will not go away. Because? The other teams will not schedule those hard games. 
just because they want a better seat or, or what, just, what, what, what's wanna, the intent? I don't know. I wish I, wish I knew. I mean, I, I guess, I guess they're, they're worried about their record. And like you said, now, I guess the thing is, well, I'm getting in, but I, I want to, like you said, I want a better seat or I want to play at home or, or any of that. And so, look, we want that too, obviously. Right. I, I get it. But it's one of the things I've learned. Like I said, I, I, I sit in, in that department, district one chair. I talked to a lot of coaches, especially in our area. And most coaches are very, most coaches in Maryland just kind of want to stay in their community. They want to stay and play the teams close to them and that's just what they want to do. And I'm not saying that's wrong or that's right, but that's, that is the the mindset in Maryland is that they, you know, uh, let's just say we're Carroll County, the, the Carroll County schools want to stay in Carroll County and play the Carroll County schools. And I, you know, I get that, you know, it's local and it's regional and all that, and that's what they want to do. And that's fine. But it's, it's always difficult to get teams around the state to play out of their area. You know, and the teams that do it the most are teams like Ford Hill that are forced to because other teams won't play them. Right. They're, they're ducking him like they, they ducked you for all the years. And, and again, it was more punitive in the under the old system because one loss or two losses could knock you out of the playoffs. You could lose one game or zero games and not even have a home game like you ran into uh, for a couple of times. So um, one aspect of this team I know you're really excited about is your offense and defensive lines. Uh, that figures to be a real strong point because you have some kids who were injured last year. They're back now and, and, and they're really highly regarded kids. Yeah. We, we, we're as good as we've ever been up there. You know, people at Oakdale will, will say we've probably been more known for our big name skill position players over the years than we have for our guys up front. But this year, you know, we're extremely talented up there. We got two guys in uh chase hot and Josh Cromit that have division one offers and division one size you know, we've got uh, two other guys, a guy named Tom Ketravonis that's going to be a senior that missed a ton of time with injuries last year. That's a great player. We got a kid named Taylor Kaliskan that started on varsity at Oakdale as a true freshman on the offense and defensive line, which is really hard to do. And he did that and did well. And, you know, he's playing a lot more like a, a seasoned junior or senior than a sophomore because of all of that experience that he got last year. And he really did a nice job of dedicating himself in the weight room this offseason and changing his body around. And then we've got guys like Mason Wiles and Andrew Thomas that have been in the mix there and are really competing who are seniors and, and they're thirsty for playing time and, you know, really did a lot in the off season and try to change themselves. And then sometimes we'll take Dom and line him up at tight end to make the, to make that whole front even, even bigger and stronger. So we probably have never been this big pound for pound up there. And we definitely haven't probably been this talented before. Oh, will that, dict will that influence your play calling? Uh, just your physicality. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to try to run the football. I mean, we're not going to make any mistake about it. We are still Oakdale and we weren't, aren't scared to pass and we know how to throw and how to, you know, use route combinations to get people open. But if, if we can run the ball, that's what we're going to do. You think that's been a misconception in recent years that you guys are just some hurry up, uh, spread you out, air it out team, right? Yeah, I've never actually got it. Cause I mean, I just, they must not ever look at the actual statistics. Yes, we do go fast and Yes, we operate out of the shotgun, but we've always run the ball way more than we've thrown it. But we've always made big plays in the passing game. And I think sometimes that sticks in people's mind. If you go to a game and we might run it 20 times for 150 yards, but you remember the two 50-yard touchdown passes down the sideline that we threw. But those were only two play calls out of out of 25. But so I, I do get it because, um, 
you know, it's flashy, right? When, when we throw it deep, it's flashy. So I, I do understand that. But we've always been a, a team that ran the ball more than we threw it. Uh, speaking of getting healthy, uh, your, your running back is uh, healthy this year. He is. Uh, Daniel hasn't really got a chance to uh, play in high school yet. Um, his freshman year was the COVID year. And he tore his ACL in the first, uh, I guess you would call that spring game. But, you know, like other people who got hurt during the COVID year because it was in the spring, it ended up costing him the next year as well because we had to turn right around and play in the fall again. So this will be his first high school action. He's done a nice job in the two scrimmages. And we have two senior tailbacks in uh, DJ Moore and Steph Rich that played last year, got carries and playing time that are there too. So we have a healthy stable of running backs and uh, we got a quarterback that can run and we got three fullbacks. So we're pretty excited about our uh, chances of being able to run the football a little bit. Yeah, your, your quarterback, Evan Austin, uh, who has his own uh, uh, batch of, of, of very uh, good uh, college offers, many many high, one, uh, many high D1 schools. Uh, well, he was a receiver last year. He'll step under center this year. Just what does he bring to the table there? He's the most dynamic runner that we've ever had at the quarterback position. Now, obviously, Colin Schley is – pretty amazing dynamic runner and and as the complete quarterback is is the creme de la creme if you will of of high school quarterbacks but evan is a legit sub four five forty guy that's why he has the offers that he has and so he's the kind of guy that anytime he you know escapes on a scramble or comes out the back door on his own read or whether it might be a design run that we call as, you know, I know you and Rick like to talk on here about your one play touchdown guys. Well, that's, that's a one play touchdown guy right there. And so from the quarterback position, which I think is the hardest position to defend the run from. And it's one of the hardest things that puts stress on the defense. It's almost like having a 12th man, you know, he's a one play touchdown guy who's going to have the ball in his hands on every single play. Right. Um, it, it, wide out, you guys are big too. Uh, 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 Hunter Thompson, uh, who got uh, a lot of experience for you last year. He's six four, you say, um, yeah. and, and and can run. And then uh, you have another uh, very high uh, D one recruit in uh, Dom Nichols, six uh, five, uh, two hundred forty five pounds. Try try guarding that if you're a, if you're a, a, a small uh, defensive back. And he's, he's going to be uh, a, a big part of your defense, too, at, at defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. This, those two are extremely talented. Uh, they had a great summer, like in the seven-on-seven circuit and all that. You know, we won we won a tournament, finished second in another one, and a lot of that was because of their ability to go up and attack the ball and make big plays. And we've got a bunch of underclassmen that have been – well, both those guys are underclassmen, actually. They're both only juniors, but we've got a bunch of other juniors that were playing in the slot – that are some speed guys and, and understand how to get open, understand how to bend to space and run the routes and stuff that we're talking about. So those guys are going to make plays on the outside. So if, if you do want to put seven, eight, nine guys in the box to try to take away the run game and leave those guys one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, you're, you're definitely going to be taking a risk. Uh, Dom, uh, 6'5", 250, can run, can jump, uh, can, can catch. Uh, does he have a chance to be the most dominant player in the state this season? I mean, he's got it in him. You know, we, 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 we're pushing him every single day to be the best version of himself. I don't think he understands how athletic and strong he even is. Sometimes he's really still learning how to play and play the right way. But when I look at where he is today to where he was a year ago, I mean, the leaps and bounds are amazing. And he's even, we had a nice practice today and he, he's way better today than he was 
two weeks ago. Like he's getting better and learning more and more and more. And, you know, like you said, you can't really teach somebody to be 6'5", 250 and can 360 dunk, right? Like those people, they're few and far between, which is, you know, why he has all the offers that he has, because he has abilities that only a very small part of the population have. But when it all clicks and comes together for him and he's flashing right now and showing it a little bit. And he he's gonna be he's gonna be hard to deal with over there. And and he's a defensive first guy. He he wants to be a stud defensive end. A hundred percent. He's a he's a defense one hundred percent of the time guy. And we're gonna let him moonlight on offense a little bit. He really wanted to play over there a little bit. And you know we like you said we can really use his abilities to create some matchups and stuff like that. But he'll be on defense all the time. And he'll play offense sometimes. Yeah, offers for Dom: uh, Pitt, Penn State, Maryland, uh, Ole Miss, uh, Virginia Tech. Um, I'm, I'm I'm missing one in there. Michigan State. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State. State yeah. Ole, yeah. I mean, he, he's had over twenty. So yeah, uh, and Boston College. You name it. If, if they're a big big time program on the East Coast, he probably he probably. Is. Yeah, because again, you can't you can't <laughs> you can't manufacture the size and the athleticism. So uh, Ev, Evan's got offers from. Uh, he's got offers from Virginia Tech, Maryland, Pitt, Boston College, Kent State, Temple, I believe, UConn, I think. I'll, I'll come off the top. So he's got a lot of big ones, true. Uh, being recruited as an athlete, obviously. And, um, you know, I think his offer list is even going to jump up, too, like when they see what he can do with the ball in his hands this year. And, um, you know, Hunter's not far behind them. We're getting a lot, we're feeling a lot of phone calls about Hunter. And he's going to be gaining some of that momentum with them as well. And as you said, uh, Chase and Josh already have you know some FCS stuff and some other other Division One stuff going on, which will probably hopefully improve for them even by the time we get to the end of the year as well. So th- this is what we're talking about: the talent. The talent is there. So we have to figure out if this band of individuals can be get a great team. And that, that's what, that's the journey we're on to try to figure out if we can be a great team or not uh, on paper. It's as much talent as the state championship team, right? Yeah. That, that team had four division one players as well. And, um, or at least four guys that had division one offers. So we're right there with them. Um, not as many and maybe as, uh, hot big names, if you will, but yes, uh, we're, we're trending in that same direction. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to the most about the season? It's the, the build. Like I am a guy that really loves the process. I love practice. I love the buildup, but as you know, the buildup in football is long. You know, we start in January, we have that clock that counts down to our first game and when we hang it on the wall. It's always like 296 or something like that. And, you know, I think today it's at four, you know, so, um, it's a long process. I'm excited to see the kids get to cash in on the hard work a little bit and play. Like I could practice every day and, and, and be okay and just be a teacher and work that, but the kids are doing all of this for Friday night, you know? So to see them, to get that opportunity to play on Friday night under the lights in front of all their fans, in front of the student section, and just, just to get to see them cash in their hard work. that That's what I'm excited about. Uh, give us a little scouting report. You guys open Friday with uh, South Hagerstown on the road. Well, I wish it was Friday, Greg, but uh, we have the official shortage, as you know. So South, South Hagerstown moved our game from Friday to Saturday afternoon at 1. So we are okay. we are traveling to South on Saturday at 1 o'clock. Um, we, we've obviously broke down their two scrimmages. South, South has some, a good coaching staff. 
that's trying to kind of rebuild the program back up a little bit. You know, they, they've been hovering around 500 the last, the last couple of years, and they have some young guys that have some talent. They have a really good young tailback that I'm not sure if he'll play varsity or JV or not, but he's a very talented young man that they have coming up through the ranks. So they're trying to get things back going and back on track, but uh, you know, they're, they're doing a nice job of trying to build it back up over there. If you want to see uh, Kurt's former quarterback, uh, Colin Schley, play this season for Kent State, just flip on ESPN. Uh, game one, Kurt Washington. Uh, game two, uh, Oklahoma. I think, or game, I think they might have a, a lesser team in there. But three of their first four are Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia. Yeah, uh, and then I think they, they maybe play Rhode Island somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, so uh, he's going to get battle tested early. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I just want this on the record right now since we're on the air. At least my mom and dad and wife will listen to this episode, right? So I, I want a few people to hear it at least. But I, I'm, Colin, I'm hoping so. Get the numbers up to five listeners at I, least. I'll try. I'll try. But Colin Schley will be the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. You heard it here first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to flip it on TV and going, hey, I, I, I know that guy so yeah so the, the first one on saturday doesn't start till 10 30 i'm an early to bed early up kind of guy so i'm gonna have to fight to uh to watch it but i'm gonna i'm gonna fight and watch it i'm certainly not gonna miss his first start but at, at washington 10 30 like you said i believe it's on espn it's definitely on television so uh go out there and find it and you're you're gonna see the young man slinging it around a little bit because he's everything he was in high school except for now he's 6'5, 235 so uh wow he uh he is a man to say the least. He comes and lists with us in the offseason sometimes and just comes to hang out and, and shoot the stuff. His dad is a our wide receivers coach on the JV team. So um we're really excited to watch him. You know, we've got a we've got more than a few guys out there playing on Saturdays. We've got Percy A. J. Obisay and Justin Ritter playing at JMU, Bryce Tamales at Delaware, Mario Gullings at Delaware State. You know, so we we've got some division one guys out there gonna be playing on Saturday keeping me busy flipping around on the channels trying to watch them all that's what the dvr is for kurt those late games you can just dvr it and then when you wake up at 5 a.m or whenever you wake up you can just flip it on then so i will i will have to do that well the bar the bar is set pretty high i mean do you do you, do you guys talk about 2018 at all or do you, do you bring that up at all or is that is that totally out of sight out of mind i only talk about it when i feel like we're not doing certain things the way they're supposed to and i will use um we'll call them fables from the past to explain certain situations to them about how maybe we should be doing things a different way. Um, you know, that was then, and this is now, but the process is still the process and we can learn things about their journey to help us on ours. All right. Always love having you on Kurt. Uh, sounds like you have a really talented team this year. This year. We look forward to watching you play and, uh, best of luck this season, sir. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on again. If, if you guys are making noise in uh, November and December. So Appreciate it. It's always fun to come on here and talk about like I always tell the guys when we start doing these, that means it's about time to go. So exactly. it's getting excited. We're getting everything started this week and hopefully you make it out to uh, Timesville and check us out a few times. I, I think I will be. That's, that's probably a pretty safe bet. So uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, Kurt Stein, uh, Oakdale football coach. Uh, the, the Bears uh, have a pretty talented team uh, this season. All right, uh, week one is uh, here, a couple of days away. Uh, Oakdale opens, as Coach Stein said, on Saturday. Uh, but we look forward to getting it all started. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Final Score. Thanks to John Cannon, Alexander Dacey, Graham Cullen. We'll see you, everyone. Have a great week.